The Injured Senior Podcast is here to help. Like it or not, the senior and elderly population is vulnerable to negligence committed by medical professionals, nursing homes, assisted living facilities, pharmaceutical and medical device companies, insurance companies, and everyday individuals and businesses. Your host, Steve Heisler, creator of the National Injured Senior Law Center, has been advocating for seniors' rights for over 30 years and is bringing you answers to your questions. This is the Injured Senior Podcast. Hello to all in our injured senior and elderly community. This is your buddy, Steve Heisler, founder and CEO of the National Injured Senior Law Center, and you are tuned in to a new episode of the Injured Senior Podcast. The Injured Senior Podcast, for new listeners, is a show that is dedicated to discussing medical and legal issues of vital importance to the injured senior and elderly community and their families and caregivers. We are sponsored by the National Injured Senior Law Center. Injuries to seniors and the elderly can be incredibly debilitating, my friends, and they can rob you of your life savings. If you believe your injury was caused by no fault of your own, go to www.InjuredSeniorHotline.com or call 877-228-4878 to see if you have recourse. They can help. So we have an interesting show for you today, my friends. We have a guest on who is going to talk about sex and older adults. Now, I promise you, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is not going to be an X-rated show today. Uh, I'm not going to play Hugh Hefner for the episode No, we're going to have a serious, frank discussion with our guest about the ridiculous stereotypes regarding sexuality in older adults. We also are going to chat about sex and when one partner is a caregiver and sex in long-term care facilities. Now, these are topics that I'm sure are on just about everyone's minds, but rarely talked about. I think you will definitely find the information that we are going to uh, extract from our guest to be informative and enlightening. So, friends, our guest is Dr. Nicole Didick. She likes to go by Dr. Nicole, and she is out of the great country of Canada. She received her medical degree at McMaster University, where she did her training in internal medicine and geriatrics, And she also received a master's in education. She has a busy community geriatric practice in Southern Ontario and is also the founder of The Wrinkle, which is a website and YouTube channel that helps you make the connections you need to age successfully. Welcome to the show, Dr. Nicole. How you doing today? I'm well. Thanks so much, Steve. It's great to have you. Now, I've got to ask you, how is the weather as we speak this uh, mid-February day? How's the weather it's, in southern Ontario? You know what? It's beautifully sunny, and uh, there is a lot of snow, which is beautiful and white and clean and kind of sparkly. Um, but it's about, oh, I, I don't know the temperature in Fahrenheit. It's about minus 9 degrees Celsius. And that's minus so. 9 Celsius? Yeah. And it's like, that's like, yeah, that's not comprehensible by us. But I, let's just <laughs> you say it's wear like, a hat. you're bundled up. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, you're not he outside doing this, but and a scarf. <laughs> you're not, well, yeah, no, I'm inside now. Sat on your. You're not doing this outside <laughs> on your on your deck, right? You're actually that's inside, right. But when you go outside, inside. how long does it yeah. how long does it take before you you um you actually uh, can get frostbite? Like oh, frostbite would take a long time. Like this is okay. not quite frostbite territory, but I could All probably right. like walk for about thirty minutes or so, 30, 40 minutes, and then probably right. my nose and fingers would be really cold. Okay. Yeah. Well, so it's yeah, a nice just make day. sure you. St- Make sure you stay under 40 minutes. We don't want you to have to lose any body parts. <laughs> okay. I All will. right. Yeah. You got it. Let's start off with um, your contention that there is ageism, I guess, in our general communities uh, when it comes time to sexuality and older adults. Is that yeah. fair Absolutely. to say? I think so. And I think, you know, I think that um, we have stereotypes about older adults and sex. So one of the big ones is that it's so cute when older people, you know, kiss or hold hands or something like it's almost like making them childish, which isn't correct. And then there's other stereotypes where that that older adults are kind of oversexed. So like there's a dirty old man or there's a cougar, you know, the the older woman who's kind of predatory. And neither one of those stereotypes are really accurate. And so I would say that they're ageist. And um, I think older adults, you know, have a sexuality component to their lives and certainly sexual health is important as people get older. So if we if we ignore that, then uh, it does a disservice to older adults. So you said the dirty old man and the cougar. So basically, Mm -hmm. if if an older adult has a healthy sex drive, uh, Mm -hmm. then they're automatically labeled as a dirty old man or a cougar, correct? They could be. Yes, I think so. Yeah, I think, it. you know, like to to think that um, an older man just, you know, wants to have a sex life like like everyone else, like a a 30 year old or even a 25 year old, you know, um, I think that uh, that he should be allowed to do that without being labeled. Mm -hmm. Right. And is it any more different now? Because uh, people in their 60s, uh, I guess 60 is the new 40, so uh, we're living longer, we're, mm-hmm. I, I believe, living healthier and mm-hmm. getting into our 70s and 80s and still uh, having very healthy um, eating habits and, and mm-hmm. doing physical activities. So could that yeah. be a reason why also that it's, uh, uh, that there may be more of an interest in sexual activity at a, at, as a senior? I think so. You know, and I think and I think you're right. I think people want to have kind of full lives uh, as they get older. Right. So having um, having a sexual component to your life is part of life, just like, um, you know, just like the other components of life, like physical activity and exercise and wanting to socialize with people. And even, you know, I think people are working later in life as well. Right. Not everybody is sort of retiring in their 60s and that. So, yeah. So having a healthy sex life is just another part of living. So if you're older but still alive, um, you can still have sex. But it might be different. You know, there there might be some different things about um, sexuality as people get older, but it's still important. That makes sense. So Hmm. so then why is it that you think there should be more awareness about sexuality Uh, Mm -hmm. in the older age group? Well, I think, and, you know, especially as a healthcare 
provider. Um, I actually read a survey that said little more than 50% of geriatricians, so this is people like myself who specialize in looking after older people, um, little more than 50% of us actually ask about sexual health when we do our assessments. So we, you know, we ask about bowel movements, we ask about sleep, but we don't always ask about sex. And when we miss out on asking about it, we're missing out on, you know, letting a person talk about it and maybe talk to us about maybe they have issues with their sexual health. You know, so um, like an older woman might want to talk about um, how sexual intercourse has become uncomfortable. And, you know, what can she do about that? And what, you know, what are the reasons for that? Is there any medical investigations or um, is there anything we can do? Because, you know, if that's something a patient is experiencing, it could be really getting in the way of their relationships. So, um, so if we don't ask, we won't hear about it. And then we'll miss out on giving somebody comprehensive, good health care. So it starts with the medical profession as well. It's not just yeah. conversation amongst families, but also the medical profession has to be a little more uh, involved in, in asking these questions because in the end, it, it has to do with, with the overall health, right? Yeah, I think so. I think that if we ask about it and sort of create space for it, um, that it, things will come out. And then we'll be able, we might be able to do something. We can't always, but... You know, sometimes there are medical things that we can do or or uh, investigate or recommend. So so how does sex change with aging? Now, I, I just said, you yeah. know, we're getting older, but yeah. we're leading healthier lives. And, you know, medicine has enabled us to live longer. Mm-hmm. What does change, though, you know, which is the normal process of aging uh, sure. as far as sex? Yeah, well, I mean, when I think about it, I usually think about um, the the changes that can happen with the different sexes. So, um, so for example, with a woman, uh, there is a change in sort of the tissues of the sexual organs. So there can be some dryness. Um, there can be what we call atrophy or a little bit of shrinkage. Um, so that's a pretty normal part of aging, but um, there are um, there are medications, there are lubricants, and um, there are things that can be done to kind of address that. Um, and then for men, you know, I, that's one thing about the little blue pill is I think uh, I think that there's been a lot more discussion about um, about male sexual function uh, as people age. So there are you know there's it's not a necessarily normal part of aging, but it's much more common. Um, in older men to have some erectile um, dysfunction. So that could be trouble getting an erection or, um, you know, sustaining one or uh, any, you know, anything along the lines of male sexual function can change. Um, So those are, and then, you know, if you add in um, certain medical conditions, they can affect sexual function as well. So those, the changes I just talked about are kind of normal normal changes. But then, you know, we know that in, o- in older adults, there are some conditions that are more common as people get older. So they're not normal, but they're more common. So that might be things like high blood pressure and diabetes um, and cardiac disease. And so those can affect sexual function as well. So they, you know, they might affect the person's energy um, for sexual activity, or there might be arthritis, which could make, um, you know, could make s- some sex painful or, you know, the person might be on medications that might affect their libido or their um, or their sexual response. So all of those things are things that can change with aging. 
but you know what doesn't change is the need for connection and and uh, and interaction. That stays the same. Well, that makes a lot of sense. That definitely makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense. You're listening to the Injured Senior Podcast. This is Steve Heisler. I'm talking to Dr. Nicole Didick regarding sexual activity or sexual health and older adults. Dr. Nicole, a common scenario is that one partner becomes a caregiver for the other. How does that affect Mm -hmm. the dynamics of, of any type of sexual relationship? Yeah, that's a good question. And it's definitely something I see in my practice all the time. Um, because I work with older adults and very often there's a partner there. Um, and you know, it might be that I'm working with someone, the patient is living with dementia and then the partner has kind of become a caregiver. So that, you know, that changes all aspects, almost all aspects of that relationship, but it can change sex too. Um, and you know, I mean, a big part of it is that the caregiver is just tired. (laughs) <laughs> you know, so they might be spending a lot more time with the partner than they're used to. And they might have a lot more responsibility um, because maybe there are things that the, the partner who's living with dementia can't do anymore. So the caregiver has to take that on, plus look after the person. And so sometimes they're just tired and right. um, don't have a lot of energy left for that. So I would say that's one of the biggest things is that is sort of that fatigue and um you know, it's and so that's something that we often um, we can talk about and, you know, we can talk about ways to kind of overcome that. I mean, the caregiver might be able to talk to the partner uh, and say, mm-hmm. hey, why don't we set aside some time maybe on the weekend when or I guess there is no weekend when you're a caregiver, right? Sometimes not. Day. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. So what often so, is a, is a solution? What's like something you would advise one yeah. of your uh, patients about if they come up with that, you know, they give you, know, give you that scenario. Yeah. Well, you know, I learned a lot about this too by talking to a colleague of mine who is a sex therapist. Um, her name is Natalie Wilton and she's a social worker and a sex therapist. Um, and I actually interviewed her a few times about, about this topic. And she said, you know, um, there's this concept of sort of instrumental touch. So, you know, if you have to touch someone because you have to um, give them a bath, but then you can look for ways to turn that instrumental touch into an intimate touch or a loving touch. So, you know, if you have to rub someone's feet um, as part of their diabetes care, well, maybe you could do that in kind of a sensual way, right? So maybe you could turn the lights down and light a candle and then do that in a more romantic kind of way so that you're, you're bringing some of that loving connection into the caregiving tasks. So, you know, sometimes those are things you can do um, because sex, you know, sex and sexuality doesn't always have to be about intercourse or any particular act, right? It can be, um, you know, we can um, sometimes couples can focus on intimacy and other ways of sort of connecting and touching. Um, So sometimes that can be brought into just those everyday caregiver tasks. That makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. And is it is it's is this particular dilemma kind of a common thing as far as caregivers yeah. just being wiped out and not being able yeah. to be as intimate? I think it is, you know, and I think too. Um, and so sometimes I guess that's another thing that we sometimes talk about is uh, that 
sometimes you have to take um, your sexual needs into your own hands, right? Literally. So sometimes if your partner's disability or condition makes them not interested in sex, then, you know, on top of your own fatigue, your partner's not really enthusiastic about it. I find it patients can be open to just talking about things like self-love and, um, you know, masturbation. That, that's really what we're talking about. But sometimes when people find out that that can be normal and healthy, I think that it can allow them to do that. And even later in life, like that can be a good way for people to maintain their sexual health and to relieve tension. And, you know, there's a lot of practical reasons why sex is, is a healthy thing. Sounds good. Uh, I have to say that was the first time I've heard the word masturbation on my podcast, but well, we've, we've only had about word. 70 episodes. So, you know, I'm yeah. kind of, yeah. We, so thank you for, keep for, it in you know, there. for breaking the ice on that. Yeah. Um, it's not, it's not a bad thing. And sometimes for caregivers, it, it, you know, for, for us to sort of say as medical people, like, you know, it's okay to do that. Yeah. Um, there's an aisle in the drugstore that might give you some ideas, right? Cause now it's, it's true. <laughs> if you go to the drugstore, right. you don't have to yeah. go to a, little shop right you can go to the yeah. drugstore and you can kind of see oh well maybe you know yes. or even just pampering yourself right if, if people go. aren't comfortable with that they might feel comfortable with just kind of treating themselves a little bit romantically yeah. and and sensually and that's okay too it's it's really i think you know what we want to do is let caregivers know that um just because they're caregivers they're still um they're still sexual beings and they're still entitled to express that and, um, you know, and to attend to that part of themselves. No, it makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, you love yeah. your the you love your partner, but it's mm-hmm. it's got to be very, you know, just dreary and kind of, mm-hmm. you know, kind of a drag. I mean, you want to help yeah. the person, but at the same time, you yeah. know, it's the same same thing every day. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, that makes a lot of sense. We're talking to Dr. Nicole Didick. She is a geriatrician. She's a medical doctor uh, and uh, we are talking about sex and older adults and you're listening to the injured senior podcast now doctor how common is sex in long-term care facilities Hmm. that's a good question and i I think we don't really know in some ways Um, it's hard to get data on that Um, you know in my experience though I definitely hear about people developing relationships, romantic relationships um, in long-term care homes and retirement homes. Uh, so I can't really say say numbers, but you know, in my in my um, experience, I'd probably say about five to ten percent of the time, um, someone who's living in long-term care, the issue of sexuality uh, kind of comes to the forefront. Sometimes in a good way, but so- unfortunately, sometimes it's in a negative way, too. Right. You know, I'm an attorney, mm. and, and I definitely mm. have had uh, some inquiries and, and unfortunately, uh, you know, some cases where, uh, oh. you know, nursing home uh, patients have been sexually abused. And, oh, yeah. you know, that's, that's just a really difficult thing to, uh, to have to comprehend. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But we know it happens. Uh, yeah. So let me ask you this, though. What happens when a person in long-term care uh, forgets, and this, I guess, would potentially be somebody with Alzheimer's or dementia, but they mm-hmm. forget that they're married and they actually start a relationship with another partner while they're 
you know, their their spouse is actually in in the long term care facility as well. I mean, do you, yes. have you ever heard of that or? Well, you know what? It can happen. It often happens when the partner is in a is still living in the the community, you know. So the one one partner goes into long term care, and then the other partner might stay um, living with family or living you know living by themselves. So. The, they might not see each other as often. And yes, it, it can happen that the person in the nursing home will find a new sort of special friend. And there's a variety to the, uh, there's a different variety of reactions. Um, sometimes the partners are okay with that, you know, because I think a lot of it depends on the person's personality uh, before they went in and, and to the nursing home and what their relationship was like. Um, you know, maybe they had these kinds of arrangements before, or maybe they talked about it and decided that it would be okay. Um, you know, and and I and similarly, sometimes the person who's not in the nursing home will find a new partner. So, you know, any kind of combination you can think of can happen, and um, and it's often often it's most uncomfortable for the children of the people, right? Uh, so so I think to your point about unfortunately sometimes abuse happens that's number one right so when that happens we want to make sure that there's safety you know we want to kind of make sure that everybody is safe and as much as we can tell that there's a consensual component that's very important uh but other than that you know sometimes it's sometimes it can be a good thing for people to start new relationships in long-term care outside of their marriage you know sometimes that can be a positive interaction for them I wouldn't want to say it's, yeah. you know, there's one right or wrong there. Got it. Mm-hmm. Well, I've got an 88-year-old dad and I got a mom and Knockwood, they're doing well and they're both living uh, in the family home and, and everything yeah. is, is copacetic. Uh, wow. You know, I have to say, uh, you know, as as a child, if, if I, if God forbid, they had to go into a long-term care facility and I went in mm-hmm. one day and found out that dad was you know, having extramarital relations with yeah. someone else, it would be pretty difficult for me to swallow. So yeah. my question, yeah, what would you, what would, how would you advise somebody like myself if, if we, you know, if I yeah. shared that with you and asked you for advice? Yeah, well, I would totally validate those feelings. You know, I think it's totally understandable that that would be upsetting and could be a concern. Um, and I think we would want to just, be open and communicate about it and probably involve the family, you know, all the family. So maybe bring in the family of the other party and have a discussion about everybody, you know, get everybody's viewpoint. Um, I guess the central thing is how much the um, the people, you know, your dad, um, if your dad was living with dementia, I guess we'd want to see you know, what his understanding is of the situation. And that's, I think that's the trickiest part is that, um, you know, sex has to be consensual in every situation, right? So if someone is living with dementia, sometimes that consent piece is hard to, um, hard to evaluate or hard to determine. So I think we would wanna, you know, find out more about the situation. And if it's, if, you know, if we're not sort of comfortable that there's a consent and that there's safety, then usually the most common thing is people kind of separating, trying to geographically separate um, couples like that if it's, you know, if it's not a good situation. But if it's, you know, if it seems like it's more of a friendship and 
you know, I might be inclined to say, well, let's just see how it goes. Let's monitor the situation. Um, and, you know, let's try to get your dad's side of things. We would always want to try to get the, 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 the older adult side of things. I think that's the best place to start. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, it, yeah, there doesn't seem like there's a clear answer. I think it's more like a case-by-case no. case basis. Exactly, um, Steve. Yeah. And I think we could do, honestly, I think we could do an entire show just on that issue because, well, you know, let's I, do. I have to be honest, I've never really thought about it, but yeah, know, I guess that's yeah. something that a lot of people uh, probably yeah. comes across their plate when they're, you know, uh, mm-hmm. just when they've got someone who's in, uh, in you know a loved one or an adult mm-hmm. uh, a parent who's in uh, or a spouse who's in mm-hmm. uh, long-term care well yeah. as our time is winding down dr nicole yeah. i have to say that this has been some fascinating material um mm. so can you tell us a little bit about your website the wrinkle i i was yeah. on it and it's a incredible website it's got so much content so much information oh. sure thank you so uh, my website is called thewrinkle.ca uh, because I'm Canadian. And so it's just like the wrinkles on your face, the wrinkle. And uh-huh. uh, I mean, I started it because I found that after doing geriatrics for 20 years, um, I was kind of seeing people with the same challenges and I was telling them the same um, the same stuff over and over. So I decided to just write it down and do some blogs and some uh, videos on YouTube and then put it all up on this website. And, um, you know, I just have a passion for sharing information. I think when people, older adults and their families know, when they have knowledge and when they um, can make those key connections with each other and with healthcare providers, they can really age much more successfully. So that's what The Wrinkle is all about. And uh, yeah, I'd love to, uh, I'd love for people to check it out and they can send me a comment and let me know what else they wanna see on there. That's great. So it's so yeah. they can get they can get to the website at the uh, ca. That's right. Yeah. And if you search uh, my name or the wrinkle on YouTube, uh, you can find me there too. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram and all the socials. So um, all those links are on the the website too. Oh, that's awesome. Thanks yeah. again, Doctor Didick. Or. Dr. Nicole, sorry. Sure. Uh, and by the way, good. Didick is D-I-D-Y-K. So in case someone's mm-hmm. trying to search her, they're like, oh, my God. I don't know if I yes. can find Dr. Nicole, but they'll be able to find <laughs> Dr. Nicole Didick. Thank um, you. Listen, we can't wait to have you back uh, because, uh, yeah, I mean, there's so many issues that, you know, that I just you know, perusing your website. I'm like, God, I really mm. want to talk about this or I really want to talk about that. So we are definitely planning on having you back, Dr. Nicole. Thanks so much for spending some time with us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for doing this podcast. Injured senior and aging population, thanks for listening to today's episode. I want to thank again Dr. Nicole Didick uh, for appearing on the show today. She was fantastic. If you love the Injured Senior Podcast, we would love for you to subscribe, rate, Give us a review on any of your favorite podcast platforms. If you want to share a story about anything of interest to the injured senior community regarding a medical or legal issue, you can email me at steve at injuredseniorhotline.com or you could go to our website, injuredseniorpodcast.com and leave a message. It's You just click on leave a message and you can talk and we will get the message and get back to you. 
Until next time, my friends. I am so looking forward to talking to you next week with a new episode. Stay well, stay safe, and I'll talk to you soon. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Injured Senior Podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share on Apple, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. Connect with us at InjuredSeniorPodcast.com and sign up for our newsletter. To find out more or to get help at any time, visit InjuredSeniorPodcast.com or call 855-622-6530. That's 855-622-6530.